0: Best portion of whatever meat offering you were bringing was the fat portion. So Cain brings some of his grain, but Abel brings the best of the best of his flock. I think about um, whenever I whenever I Christmas is coming up, and so I start to think about buying presents. Now I don't know if any of you have ever done this before, but there's a thing such as like called like a white elephant present gifting thing so basically you go and you bring a gift and you know it's like a game you play and whoever you you end up picking a random gift and it's all these things and you know basically whenever I do a white elephant gifting I go and find like a half-burnt candle in my house or like and there's like a five minute there's like a five dollar limit right on the on the gift that you can bring and so I just go grab whatever I can find I was like oh this this ruler looks nice I'll just wrap it up and bring it right now I do not think about that in that manner, when I'm deciding what I want to buy for my wife, right? If if I went and and, and took a half of a, a half a burnt candle that Brooke already bought, wrapped it up and put it under the tree for Christmas, that's not going to go over very well, right? And so, what is the reasoning between those two sacrifices? What is the difference? One is that there's one sacrifice that I'm giving that I don't care about. That's the white elephant gift, right? I have no heart for the. Per- I don't even know who's going to receive that. So I have no heart or no, no desire to really put any effort or thought process into that sacrifice. But to my wife, right, I want her to have the very best. And so I think through, I think about my, my heart for her, my love for her, what all she's done for me. And so when I think about that, it, it drives me to find a gift that's worthy of going to my wife. And so when we look at the sacrifices of Cain and Abel, we have to look not at what the sacrifice was, but the heart that was behind the sacrifice, The difference between the two is not that one was this offering and one was that. It's that Abel came with an offering of a heart of worship. And Cain came with an offering of a heart of complacency. Hebrews 11.4 says, By faith, Abel brought a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. The sacrificial offering of Abel was pleasing to God because it came from a heart of faith and love for who God is and what he's done for Abel. And we must realize that that standard of sacrifice that God looks on for us has stayed the same from the time of Cain and Abel to now. God still expects our sacrifices that we bring today, the way we live for him, to come from a heart of worship. Do not get complacent in the way that you sacrifice for God. Cain gives us our earliest example of what dead religion looks like. He gives us our earliest example of simply going through the motions of what a relationship with God looks like. You know, he, he grabs what he has, he brings it forward, and he thinks that just doing the motions of what he's been called to do is enough. But God He he desires Cain to have a heart and a desire to bring his very best. Why? Because doesn't God deserve that? Not too long ago, there was no man. God created your mother and father, right? He created the heavens and the earth. And so all of these things that we see, doesn't he deserve our praise and honor and worship? Doesn't he deserve, shouldn't we have a heart that goes after him for all that he's done? Just look around. I don't know the last time I, I sang the second verse of "How Great Thou Art." It's been a long time, you know. Usually we go one, three, four, um, but that second verse is beautiful. And what it makes me think about is, is is creation. You know, it talks about being next to the creek. Me and Brooke and I went camping last weekend, and if you want to find closeness with God, get in His creation and just be silent. What a, what a beautiful way to express His glory to you. In his creation. And so for Cain and Abel, they think, Cain's like, oh, I just grabbed these these grain offerings. And, And Abel says, listen, this flock is from God. He created it the same way he created me, same way he created the heavens and the earth. And so his desire is to bring his very best. I think about Mark 12, 41 through 44. It says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. And so I think about Jesus' teachings and what he's telling his disciples here. It's like, listen, it's not about how big the offering is, right? You can put in the little offering or you can put in the big offering, but you have to give from a heart that desires to glorify God. This widow barely had anything to give whatsoever, but what she gave, she gave out of the sincerest love for the Father. And so you may not feel like you have a lot to give, but God has given you something to give, right? And what does our sacrifice look like today? Romans 12.1. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and your proper worship. So now we're even at a, a, a different level of sacrifice. I'm not giving just out of my pockets. I'm not giving out of my flock. I'm giving out of my life. Romans 12one i I'm giving out of my life. So how do I live as a living sacrifice to God? I have to sacrifice myself for him out of my love and adoration for him. How can I be a pleasing sacrifice to God in the way I live my life? Well, it's it's from the heart in which I love him that the sacrifice comes. Your sacrifice and uh, Abel's sacrifice, Abel did not have faith because he gave the best of his flock. He gave the best of his flock because he had faith. He did not earn faith through his giving. He had faith, and that's why he gave so abundantly. And so the growth that you have in your faith, the the studying of God's word and and, and the prayer and all the things that he builds you up, it will push you and me, as it did Abel, to bring our very best to God. Because the closer you get to God, the more you're going to want to worship him. The more time you spend with him, the more you're going to want to be with him. The more you're going to want to sacrifice for him because you realize how mighty and great he is and all that he has done. God, through his infinite love, deserves our very best in terms of our, san- our standard of sacrifice to him. Is God getting, and this is a difficult question for, for us to answer, is God getting the very best of you and me? Is he getting the very best of you and me? Or is he getting what is left over after the rest of the week? Are you, are you gathering some of what you have left to give, or are you giving him your very best? This is the question we must answer for ourselves. We must see in ourselves our tendency to be like Cain and to go through the motions of of what church is and what a relationship with God is. To offer a sacrifice driven by complacency rather than faith, look to Christ, the ultimate sacrifice, and offer yourself because of what God has first done for you. And so as I think about myself and I think about the life that I lead and the things that I do, I always, always go back to the thought process of, is my faith pushing me to, to offer the standard of sacrifice that God deserves? And so remember that as we, as we lead into the rest of this message, that, God, that for God there's a standard of sacrifice. And now as we move from verse 5 to 6, the second point that we have is the care and confrontation. Okay, the care and confrontation. If you read verse 6 and 7 again with me, it says, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door, and it desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Cain has become angry and downcast. And why, why is he? Because, right, his brother... Abel was considered righteous. His gift was accepted, but his was not. And as these feelings begin to stir up in Cain, God confronts Cain. He comes to him and he says, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? Now, God obviously knows the answers to these questions. But God, in his love and mercy, come to Cain and offer him the opportunity to recognize in himself his shortcomings. God gives two very distinct options to Cain. One, do what is right and repent and be accepted, or give in to sin and be devoured by it. I think about um, when, I was a, when I was a kid, you know, and, and my parents would, would try to tell me the differences between right and wrong and what to do and what not to do. And one thing that, that I think we've talked about before is, you know, like some kids want to touch everything. And so one thing that they end up wanting to touch is the, is the stove or they end up wanting to, to stick the fork in the, in the lighter, in, in, the, in the socket, right? Or they want to do something like that and quickly we have to tell them, listen, I've told you before, don't do that. Like if you'll listen to me, right, I'm giving you two distinct options here. You can either choose to obey what I say and receive a blessing from that because guess what, you're not going to get electrocuted. Or you can stick the fork in the socket and, 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 you, can, and you can receive not a blessing, all right? You're going to feel that one. And so he's, he's basically giving Cain these same two options, right? He's saying, listen, you can, I, I want you to recognize in yourself your fallenness. I want you to recognize the sin that you have in your life right now. And you can either repent of that and come back to me and follow me and you will receive a blessing from that. Or you can follow in the ways of your sin and you can be devoured. It will devour you. It says sin is crouching outside of his door, just waiting for him to open himself up to that. And as we know, sin, uh, Cain chooses the latter. So sin is always crouching in the quarters, hiding behind doors, and lying in wait in the darkness. One, because it knows it cannot survive the light of God. When we submit ourselves to God and His rule, we are ultimately denying sin entry into our hearts, and that's what Cain is trying to. Te- I mean, what God is trying to tell Cain right now is, listen, there are some, some things that you need to deal with, but if you do not deal with them now, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But as we see, God gives Cain the opportunity. God is loving and caring and wonderful and merciful, and He comes to. Cain. He didn't have. God didn't have to do anything that He didn't want to do. Right? And God comes to Cain and gives Cain the opportunity to recognize the sin in his own life. And so for you and for me, many times God is going to do that in your life. How does God speak to us and convict us of what we're going through? He, he speaks through his word. Right? You read the Bible, you realize, well, I'm not living that way. You know? And God gives us the opportunity to repent of that. He speaks through his Holy Spirit. Right? He's given us that so that it can be a measuring stick and a, and a light to our path. Right? And also he speaks to us through the body. He speaks to us through the body. He's given us people in our lives who are willing to come forward and and, and, in care and in love confront us about the ways that we're living in our lives. Galatians 6, 1 and 2 says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And so God has will provide for you his word and his spirit and people around you to confront you in love and in care when they recognize in you a sinful desire, when they recognize in you something that, that needs to be fixed. And like, so what, what I encourage you to do is don't be like Cain and completely reject that, but accept it as something that God is trying to do to save you from yourself. God was not doing this for For everybody, he was doing it for himself and he was doing it for Cain. He wanted Cain to save himself through God. God wants for you to have a heart after him. He wants for you to glorify him, right? Because he's so deserving of your glory. In James 4.8 it says, Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. That's what God wants for Cain. He says, listen, don't let this anger and jealousy in you become more than it needs to be. I can fix that in you. How do we, it says that you need to, it desires to have you, but you must rule over it. How do I rule over my own sin? Well, guess what? I let God rule over my life first. The only way that you're gonna be able to rule over your own sin is if God's ruling over you. It's nothing that I can do, right? I'm weak, I'm like Cain, I'm fleshly, I have anger and jealousy and rage and all of these things. But when I allow God to rule over my, my heart and my life, sin has no way in. And so that's what he's saying to Cain. He's like, let me rule over your life, and you, you will be accepted. If you do what is right, if you let me be the number one in your life, right, you will be accepted. But if you choose your own path, that's on you. That's your desire. And so for us, we have to know that God provides care and love in the confrontation that he brings into our lives and the conviction that he brings into our lives. Conviction is a loving way of God to show you that something needs to change. And so it's important for us to know that when those confrontations come, not to reject them, but to accept them, and to know that that's a way that God's showing his love and mercy and grace to me and to you, in the same way it was for Cain. Third, thirdly, the escalation of sin. The escalation of sin. A chapter ago, we saw the first sin. Right? It wasn't that long ago that we saw Adam and Eve eat of the fruit of the tree of good and evil and commit the first sin by disobeying the word of God. Now in chapter 4 of Genesis, we see evil and sin beginning to escalate in the heart of man. Just think how, how in one generation we've gone from the first sin to the first murder. How quickly... Sin escalates in our lives when we do not allow God to rule over it. We know that Cain has already developed several areas of sin. It talks about it. He was angry, and he was jealous. Now, those don't seem like very, very bad sins, right? This is a sin that many of us take lightly, anger. You know, I I just have a bad temper. I can't help it. I just... I just, I, I'm, I'm just a jealous person, I can't help it. But for, for Kane, this is a sin that is not to be taken lightly. I think about the escalation of sin. Just the other day, if you don't know, me and Neil and Jake, Aubrey and Giles and Patrick Sheets and James Hughes, we went to the, Braves, the first Braves playoff game. Now I know what you're thinking, you know, Bryson probably got too worked up and too upset at the game because they lost, which is probably the case. But that's not the example, okay? Before it ever happened, I was in charge of getting the tickets and the parking, okay? Now, I don't, I don't want to tell you how much stress I, I added to my life. I had to take an extra blood pressure medicine pill just to get these tickets, I'm telling you. It was, it, was, it was incredible. So I put in all this effort, I get the tickets, and then the next day they send me an email and say, parking's gonna go on sale at this time. Okay, all right, parking, you know, 12 o'clock, I can remember that. I'm sitting eating lunch with Brooke, Twelve thirty five, I'm like, Oh my gosh. I forgot to buy parking. So I get on there real quick, pop you know, get on Ticketmaster, pop it up. I'm sorry, there is no park, there's no passes available for this event. Oh my goodness, I lost it. I completely lost it. And this is me being completely honest and vulnerable with you. I, I slammed my hand into a pillow. I was so upset with myself and so angry that I had forgotten to buy parking for a baseball game. How important is that gonna be? Not really. Not really important in the grand scheme of things, right? And so when I think about my anger, I actually told Brooke, I think, I said, just let me be upset. <laughs> you know, she was trying to calm me down, she was trying to tell me, you know, it's gonna be okay, we can figure something out. And I was like, and I was like, just let me be mad, okay? I just want to be mad for a second. Because we we take anger and, and those types of sins, right, and we we think about them in our minds as not that not that big of a deal. But what I realized. And what I saw is how quickly the anger in my own heart became, came out in the way that I spoke to my wife. The anger in my, whole, in my own heart that I thought wouldn't affect anybody else came out in the way that I talked to my wife the rest of the, the lunch break. I was upset. I was angry. And so my sin escalated from something that only affected me, that quickly affected someone very important in my life. I had to text her later and apologize Right? For the way I had acted, because the God convicted me of that. But we cannot, we cannot take these, well, quote-unquote, "small sins, right? Take them lightly, because they are the beginning of the escalation of sin that we see throughout history. Nobody starts out usually as a murderer, but they start out with this seed of sin, and it escalates into what it becomes because we are unwilling to allow God to fix it first we think it's not a big deal, and before you know it, it's, it, it devours you. And so for me, it was just this little moment that made me realize how quickly Cain's sin went from anger and jealousy that seemed like it only affected him to the first murder in the history of the world. And so this wasn't, a, if you look at the murder itself, this was not a, this was not a self-defense murder. Right? This wasn't a spur of the moment weakness. This was planned out. It was premeditated. This was an escalation of the evils of anger and jealousy that Cain was unwilling to deal with in his own heart. How quickly we can allow sin in our flesh to become so much more than what it started out, what it seemed to be at the beginning. How quickly our anger can escalate into this rampant sin in our own lives that at some point we turn around and we look and how did I get to this point, right? I don't know that Cain had that moment, but many times I have that moment in my own life where I, I finally get to the point where I, I look around and say, how did I allow myself to get here? It's because when God spoke to me at the beginning and said, listen, you need to fix this, I was unwilling to listen and embrace and repent what he wanted me to repent from. And so how quickly sin can escalate. And then, we even go beyond the murder, and it says, when confronted by God, Cain denies his crime. You know, God says, where is your brother Abel? And this is one of the, the most, like, it, makes me, it gives me goosebumps to hear Cain's response to an almighty God. He says, I don't know. I'm putting, I'm putting the little, you know, connotation on that. I don't know. He replied, am I my brother's keeper? And so, almost a... a a sarcastic, just defensive tone. And so when he speaks to an almighty God, he is, his heart is so hardened, right, that he speaks to God the Creator as if he's, he's, you know, Joe from down the block. His sin has so grown in his own heart that he can't even recognize in himself that he's sinful. Cain did not feel bad about his sin. He said, Am I my brother's keeper? Here's the answer to that for all of you out there, yes. Right, what did we just read? If your brother's if your brother or sister's going through something difficult, right, you're, you're, you're supposed to be there for them. You are your brother's keeper. He says, am I my brother's keeper? God, what, what, what does it matter to you? And so we have grown from this seed of anger and jealousy in the heart of Cain to a complete and utter disregard for, for God the Father. A heart so hardened that he's, that he speaks to, to God as if he doesn't matter. He speaks to God as if he doesn't exist. All of this sin, all of these evil thoughts and acts have led Cain to live a life. And the ultimate punishment for Cain, right? The ultimate punishment for sin, the ultimate punishment... That, we can, that, that, that I can even think of is the ultimate punishment is the alienation of Cain from God. All of this sin has ultimately led God to say, Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. And when you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. All of this sin has led to God alienating Cain from himself. And what greater punishment is there On earth for sin than alienation and separation from God. And so, how quickly, how quickly sin escalated in the life of Cain, and how quickly it can escalate in us. Jealousy becomes anger, and anger becomes deceit, and deceit becomes murder. Murder becomes rejection of God and who He is, and rejection of God can become alienation from God. How quickly we see this in the life of Cain, and how quickly we need to recognize it in ourselves. How quickly we need to allow God to, to stomp out the sin in our lives so that it does not become what we see in Cain. But there's also an, another escalation. There's another um, example in the New Testament that I love that is a counterexample to what we see in Cain. And it's in Second Peter chapter 1. And in verses 3-8, through 8 it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. And through these he has given us this very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by, the, caused by evil desires. For this very reason, I love this, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. Add to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so how quickly we see that God has given us a path that instead of leading from jealousy to anger to deceit to murder, right, to, to selfishness and self-reflection from God to alienation, he gives us the opportunity to have faith and love, and goodness, and all of these things, he's given us a separate path. In the escalation of righteousness through Jesus, our faith eventually leads us to be effective in our worship of God, while sin leads us to our alienation from God. And so there is just not one path, there's multiple, and and what God wants for us is to choose faith, and faith will eventually lead to being effective in our worship of God, while sin leads to alienation from him. And so, escalation of sin can also be escalation of faith. God has provided for us an opportunity to grow in our faith, and with each growth in our faith, it makes us more effective in our worship of him. And then finally, we see a hope, the hope of a savior. The hope of a savior. Um, we look at Cain and Cain's alienation from God. He was He was alienated from God. He he was scared to be a wanderer on the earth, right? He was scared of death. And if you look at Christ and the life that he lived, Jesus, right, in his death was separated from God. You know, God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he took on the sins of the world. He was ultimately separated from God. Jesus was a wanderer on the earth from birth. Think about this, you know, He's born, he has to go to Egypt to escape King Herod, right? It, throughout, throughout the uh, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, throughout those books of the Bible, it talks about how you know the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus goes from place to place as a wanderer. And ultimately, from Herod to the cross, Cain feared death, but Jesus experienced death on the cross for you and me. And so all the things that Cain feared Jesus took on for you and for me. All the things that that Cain said was much more punishment than he could bear, Jesus took on for you and for me. In verse 10, it says, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now I want you to look at Hebrews twelve, twenty four, it says, You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous, made, the, made perfect to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So God says, the blood, your, the blood of your brother, it cries out for me. And what does the blood of Abel cry out for? It cries out for, for justice and retribution. But what we see in Hebrews chapter 12 is that the blood of Christ cries out to God for you and me. And what does it cry out for? It cries out for forgiveness. It cries out for reconciliation or or to to bring us back to God. And so the blood of Christ cries out to God on the behalf of you and me. And so what do we see in in, in Abel's life to to, to see in God's life is that, in Jesus' life, is that Jesus ultimately died on the cross. His sin, his blood shed for me and you, right? Sinless life, his blood shed for me and you. And his blood cries out on the behalf of me and on behalf of you, so that we can be forgiven and reconciled to God. And so what we see in the life of Abel and Cain, and what we see from Genesis to, to Jesus' life, is that this blood cries out, and it has given us an opportunity to be brought back to God. And so when we look at the, the, the death of, of a Savior, we see the hope of, that we have in Him, and through the knowledge of Christ's victory over sin and death, we can have Him on our behalf, leading and teaching us how to sacrifice wholeheartedly. If you want to learn how to be a a living sacrifice for God, you have to know more intimately Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross. You have to know his mercy and grace for you because when you begin to understand all that he's done for you, that's when your heart begins to change. I'm not going to be able to be that living sacrifice on my own, but when I look at Jesus and the love that he has for me, who else do I want to live for? Who else do I want to live for? God teaches us how to respond when faced with carefilled correction, right? We look at Jesus on the cross and all that he did for us. It will change the way that we respond to those who come to us and, 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 to, and, to, and point us to our own sin. It will change the way that we respond when God speak to us, speaks to us through his word. We're going to want to change because of the carefilled con- uh, conviction that God puts into our lives because of Jesus. And ultimately, he's going to put us on that path of faith so that we do not have an escalation of sin. But an escalation of righteousness through Jesus, and so it's important for us to realize and to think as we as we as we end tonight, if you want to live a life that's worthy of the calling that God has put on you, look to Christ. He's the only way that he's that you're going to change. He's the only way that you're going to sacrifice. He's the only way that you're going to get off of this this train. Right? That's the escalation of sin onto this onto this train of the escalation of righteousness he's the only way that he's gonna, you're gonna be pointed in that direction and so i encourage you this week as i will be doing as well pray that the lord shows you how to be a sacrifice that he changes your heart so that when you wake up in the morning your first thought is lord how can i live for you today what sacrifice can i bring for you today Change my heart so that whenever I'm bringing my sacrifice, I bring my very best. Do not let God get the scraps of your life. Work takes out a lot of people, right? It takes out a lot. Family takes a lot out of you, right? But without God, you don't have work. And without God, you don't have family. Without God, you don't have school or education. You don't have football on Saturdays, right? Don't let things of this world get the best part of you. Look to Christ and allow him to show you how to live your life as a living sacrifice, first of all for him, and so that he can say, I'm ex- that, that's accepting to me. That's accepting to me. Let's pray. Lord, um, thank you for your word. I thank you for Jesus, um, Lord, that we can see him throughout the Bible, Lord, as we can, that we can look at the story of Cain and Abel, and we can see Christ. His His death on the cross, His blood crying out for you and me, Lord. I just I'm so thankful that we have that we have salvation in Him. Lord, allow us each and every day as we as we live our lives, Lord, just to be a wholehearted sacrifice for you, Lord. That you get our very best, Lord. That you show us how to do that, Lord. That we we have faith, and that faith pushes us to live a life worthy of your calling, Lord. That we bring to you all that we have. Um, Lord, knowing that you, you provided it with us, Lord, we just uh, we thank you so much for for your blessings, Lord. We thank you for your Son Jesus, in him, His name we pray. Amen.
1: let's pray dear father thank you for this day thank you for your kindness and your love and your mercy and grace for us thank you for our lord and savior jesus christ lord that was our atonement for our sins god uh, thank you for the message this morning and and i sitting here thinking god you know uh, we're all like cain in ways god all every single one of us i was thinking I failed to love my God with all my heart, all my soul, and all my strength. And failed to love my neighbor as I love myself, God. And that was the reason that you had to come and be, and be our replacement on that cross, God. That's what we should have got. So, Lord, I, I pray that we'd remember how good that you are to take all that away for us, God. And, and that we'll be in heaven with you one day because of what Jesus did. I pray we'd keep that in mind as we give this morning. These things we ask in the name of Jesus, amen.
2: We know
0: Just a reminder, no evening services here tonight. Um, also, it is Casey Cook's birthday today, so we want to say happy birthday to, to Casey Cook. Um, so, yeah, that's
3: it. home from Columbus this morning because she didn't want to miss the choir song, y'all. We're, we're grateful for choir members like Casey. If you'll stand... We're going to end with our um, benediction. We're going to sing the doxology together. I did want to encourage you, if you've been following this series with Neil, um, I know me and Bryson both, you know, the other week, when he started this, he talked about taking the day of rest, you know. And, and when we first started, I didn't know we weren't having services tonight, and my first thought was, ah. Oh, we don't have choir practice either, but then I got to thinking. You know, we started this series talking about how important it is to take a day of rest. Me and Bryson both last weekend. Gosh, we just took a day of rest to worship um, at home and with our family. So I encourage you this afternoon to set apart some type of song, uh, some type of time to to dive into the Word a little more, or to listen to your favorite worship music, or just to spend time with your family and enjoy the day of rest. Um, As Neil pointed out to us, you know, God did that in the first of Genesis. So I encourage you with that today. Let's sing the doxology together. Oops, sorry. Yes, ma'am, Ms. (laughs) Marsha. Thank you, Miss Marcia. Y'all make sure you reach out to Neil this month. Here we go. Praise God from whom all
2: blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures.
3: Make sure to hug Bryson's neck as you leave today. You have a great week.